Welcome to the Benito Juarez Experience. I am Juan Navarro Rivera. And I am Luciano Joshua Gonzalez. So today we are going to have a very interesting episode because we're going to take a little pause from our normal shows and think about a little bit about the past of the last four months now that this is episode 17 of the Benito Juarez Experience. And I think... What we want to talk about also is about the reboot of the Benito Juarez experience, changing a little bit of the format uh, of the way we do the show. And so Luciano and I want to talk about what wor what has worked, what we have liked of this experience of doing this podcast, uh, and then what's coming, including a very important announcement of what we're going to do with the format once a month. And so basically, Luciano, can you tell me what has been your favorite part of doing this? So something that I ended up liking considerably more than I anticipated is when we brought on guests. I found the guests that we brought on to be very interesting. I found their experience to be something worth uh, listening to for our listeners and I found that we often got guests. I think that all three of our guests were first timers when it came to podcasts. So that's something that's really useful for lots of our listeners because it means that they get perspectives that haven't already been on all of those super popular podcasts or whose work hasn't necessarily been devoured by people in our audience, many of whom are not necessarily just skeptics, but also Hispanics who've been listening, um, who've been looking for political or uh, a religious podcasts to listen to where they can broaden their horizons and learn about topics that they didn't know about already. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about that. I really enjoyed having those conversations. I think the first one, which was a uh, Dr. Melitza Badizquierdo, we were struggling a little bit with our timing. And I think by the time we interviewed Professor Arlene Sanchez-Walsh and, and the last episode before this one with Professor Daniel Tagliarina, we were much better at, at that timing. And, and I, I think we're finally hitting our, our pacing. So what was your, um, what was one of your favorite aspects of the show that we've started doing? I think what my favorite part of this is everything. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I you know, I don't want to sound a generalist, but in, in particular, like it's the whole point of I like the conversation. I mean, I really enjoy having you as the co-host. Uh, this was an idea that I had for a while, and I wasn't never found the time and. And so I was very glad when you when you accepted to like do go do this project with me, but also that it has worked much better uh, than than I thought it was even gonna work. The fact that we haven't missed a week uh, for six straight weeks, uh, I think the timing in terms of you know how long the show is, uh, we just keep it to half an hour ish. Uh, per episode, I think allows us to, you know, keep it simple, but also 
you know, sometimes we are able to record a couple of episodes per night. Uh, and I think that allows us to, you know, take a breather uh, when we need it, but also not mm, skipping any weeks. And and again, like as I said, the conversation, it, I think it's very good. I think we both think along the same lines in terms of interests, but and, and we agree on a lot, but we also have very different perspectives, even when we agree, which I think some of those are generational. <laughs> and so I, I, I think that's what I have enjoyed, like the exchange of ideas and and certainly like having these different perspectives from mine, even when on on general matters, we tend to agree. I really think that having, I think that us being co-hosts is also a very strong aspect of the show because there are topics, I think, I think it's pretty apparent which one of us probably picked whichever topic we talked about, but it's obvious that both of us are fairly well-versed, if not very well-versed in the issues that we talk about. And that we're, I think that you and I are both fairly effective people when it comes to communicating at least the topics that we're passionate about and the, like our perspectives on things. I think that we do that fairly clearly. And I'm also very grateful for the power of editing because I have a feeling that, that helps. It helps like condense everything and make it sound a lot smoother than it is in recording. But I think that we play off of each other's strengths and cover up each other's weaknesses fairly well. What haven't you liked? Uh, or what do you think we need to improve on? One of the things that I think that we need to improve on, and I think that this is something that's going to happen since we're going to start, since this is kind of a spoiler for later on in this particular episode, but we're going to start doing episodes monthly in Spanish. I think that's going to cover up one of our biggest weaknesses, which is that we originally, and we originally started this as being for Latinx listeners whether they were secular or not, that was the direction we wanted it to go in. And it feels like as bigger world events have been happening, it's been harder for us to talk about events affecting the Latinx community, or at least linking them back to the Latinx community. And us having an episode a month where we speak in Spanish will go a strong way towards making up for that. Spoiler. Uh, so... <laughs> So, yeah, I think I, 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 yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think there are three things I would like to change. One is the audio quality. Like right now, most of the shows we have recorded uh, have been kind of like a conference call type recording quality. We, we're testing right now one new platform at this moment. So we hope that this is much better quality than we have had before. And, and, Aside from the technical aspects of it, I think there are two other things we should improve on. One of them is what you just mentioned, which is that sometimes we get sidetracked by world events and we actually haven't done much about bringing it to the Latinx context that we, we certainly started the show uh, for that reason. And I, I think what you just spoiled the news about going into one 
a cycle in which we have one episode in Spanish a month will actually help us center uh, in that particular way. Another thing that I think we need to get more activists and other people who do really good work on the areas we're interested in. That's something that I definitely agree with. I know of at least a few people who I plan on inviting. It's just a matter of both sitting down and actually writing out the invites and also figuring out like topics that I would like for them to talk about. So that way, that way they can come onto the show and they can not necessarily plug their own things, but they can talk about areas that they are actively engaged in. And that way we can be like, oh, hey, in case you didn't know this person, this is their work and this is how it relates to the, this is how it relates to the interview that we're about to have with them about either their work or about their specific perspectives on a trending topic right now. Yes, uh, no, I, I agree with that. I think it's uh, it's necessary. So given that that announcement, previous announcements has been spoiled, I think so, you know, we want to just talk about it now. One of the changes that we're doing now in this reboot of the Benito Juarez experience is do f uh, four episode cycles in which we have three topical episodes in English and every fourth episode is a bit of a summary of what we have discussed, but in Spanish. And it's going to be... It, that Spanish episode is going to have two numbers. So in this case, it will be like the Benito Juarez experience number, uh, whatever you want to call it at that point when our first Spanish episode comes up, uh, which is actually the next one. So it's going to be the Benito Juarez experience number 18, but it's going to be La Experiencia de Benito Juarez number one. And so every month we're going to have like a Spanish feed, uh, podcast feed, but also for our listeners who are already bilingual and they can actually listen to the show in Spanish. Uh, so they don't have to switch the feed. The, the, the show is going to appear in their normal Benito Juarez experience uh, show feed and also if you don't know Spanish it's a very good way to start learning about it <laughs> so I wanted to ask you to just to you already kind of did but how long have you been wanting to do at least one episode in Spanish I don't know I think I always You know, I, I grew up in Puerto Rico. I spoke Spanish daily for up to the moment I graduated from college uh, before I moved to Connecticut for grad school. And one of the things is that I, I stopped writing in Spanish, eventually stopped watching TV in Spanish, mostly because I stopped watching TV at, <laughs> overall. Like I was probably one of the first cable cutters. Uh back in the early 2000s. But at the same time, I have a lot of friends, a lot of family who understand a little bit in English, but they certainly are you know, more comfortable in Spanish. And uh, they're always asking me what I'm doing. And so they rarely can have you know 
easy access to what I do. And so I think that's a, one way of addressing that. I also want to start doing more Spanish language writing in, in the Latino, which is my, my blog. And so, yeah, I don't think I, I thought that the Benito Juarez experience was going to be in Spanish. I, I don't think I started with that idea, but I don't think it hurts. And I think it, it's kind of like necessary uh, not just in terms for, you know, the Latinx community in the United States, but also to expand a little bit uh, toward, you know, other places in Latin American Europe. I was raised, I mentioned this during our first episode, and I talked about it briefly, and a few of the others, such as in the episode about the Catholic Church in uh, Central America, but I was raised in Central and South America, which is something that lots of people, it's not that they don't know, but it's something that they forget because I am lucky enough to have relatively unaccented English in addition to being extremely white passing. So people often forget that English is actually my second language, but I learned it. I didn't learn it in school. I learned it just gradually over the course of my life. There were various points in my life, such as when I was living in Colombia, where I spoke considerably better Spanish than I did English. So I really appreciate having this platform to talk about these issues and introducing generally non-Latinx um, people to these issues and perspectives of people who are Latinx. And I'm also looking forward to beginning to producing more content in Spanish. I'm also planning on doing Spanish writing for Patheos. I would like to try to get into that. And I would like to gradually improve my Spanish to the point where I can both speak and write in it fairly fluently and grammatically correct. So it's going to be, I'm really appreciating that I have these sorts of platforms and avenues where I can experiment with language and see how it affects the audience's reactions, the things that I write, and also see how I can get more people to both listen to me and to read the work that I create. Well, that's your chance now. But the one thing I want to talk about, it's your idea uh, of this new format, the, the other change that we're making in terms of how we are engaging our listeners, and that came from you, so I want you to announce it. Oh, so um, I want to, starting from this episode on, you're going to be ending every episode, not necessarily with a little prompt, but we're going to be ending every single episode with questions for our listeners and for people who've made it all the way to the end of whatever particular episode on whatever particular topic they're listening to. The reason we want to do this is that we want to not only have people who passively listen, even if they're people who agree with us or disagree with us, that's not something that we are ultra interested in. What we really want to see is we want to engage our listeners enough that we get to hear their opinions on topics, whether they agree with us or they disagree. So what I'm going to be doing is we're going to be, um, both of us actually are going to be writing up questions at the end of every episode, and we're going to be asking those questions to our listeners. We really want people to not only listen to what we say, but to actively 
learn from it and for them to then tell us what they've learned, even if they strongly disagree with us on something, even if they think that we are blatantly wrong about something. And I have no doubt that there are going to be people that there already are people who think this when they listen to our podcast. So I really want to know. I want to learn what people think of our podcast. I want to learn what they think of how we presented an issue and how we talked about it. And I also want to hear their answers to the questions that we asked them. Yeah, that would be really nice. I know we have listeners. We know we have listeners. I mean, there's people downloading the episode. I know there are a few hardcore Benito Juarez Experience fans out there, and we want you to not just listen to what we have, we were saying, but also hear what you have to say. Although I may, uh, I may disagree a little bit with Luciano in people thinking that we may be wrong. I mean, Luciano may be wrong, but I know I'm never wrong. I've never been wrong in my life, uh, as far as I, as far as I know. <laughs> Maybe this is the first time I'm wrong. But uh, no, joking aside, we really want uh, we really want a, a little bit more of interaction. Certainly, we have the Facebook page, uh, Benito Juarez Experience at Facebook, which uh, we really want you to engage with with the links, and we're gonna uh, post more stuff in there, particularly links to news that are related to the issues that we're discussing uh, in the show. And so those th those are, I think, very welcoming changes. Uh, and that, that was Luciano's ideas, which uh, I think it's, it's an excellent uh, idea to, to test in, in this new stage of the show. And I think I wanna, if you allow me to make a new announcement, which I, think I mentioned to you in passing at some point, uh, but one of the things I have been interested for a few years now, and I've had discussions, I actually have given talks about this, is the fact, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast in a way was because I, I want people to know that there are secular Latinos out there like you and me. Uh, we're not alone, that there's a bunch of us actually, about one in five Latinos in the United States are non-religious. But also that there's a history, like we are not that 20% of Latinos in the United States who are non-religious are not the first Latinos ever to be non-religious. That there's a secular history in Spain, in Latin America, in the United States that needs to be rescued. And so my dear wife, Dr. Jasmine Trejo, has been compiling like snippets of information of uh, biographies and events uh, you know, that linked uh, secular Latinx history. And so one of the things I, I asked her to do for Uh, eventually in, in the future of this show is kind of record like five, two to five minute capsules of Latinx history, secular history, which is a, you know, one of her side projects right now, uh, aside from her full-time work scholarship and helping me raise our son. Uh, 
So that's one one of the things that you know she, she's been doing on the side. And I told her, well, you know, this is a really interesting uh, side assignment that you have assigned yourself, and that I certainly share with her, uh, and that you know I think it would be of great benefit for uh, help secular uh, and non-religious. Latinx people know that you know not only that they're not alone, but they they are standing on the on the shoulders of people who came before them. I very strongly agree with that. I think that's an awesome initiative, and I it's it sounds like it's already going well, but I hope that it continues going well in the future. I've also written, in fact, one of the first times I actually read one of your works was in response to one of my articles. I wrote an article about trying to remember his name, but the historical figure, I believe, who came up with the word secular, not secular, it was something along those lines. I remember reading, I remember reading it and then I Googled it. And I saw that you had written a response to it, where you also talked about the history of secularism. I George thought that Folio. was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I, I, I remember that. I do remember that. Uh, and actually, uh, you know, again, this is why it's important to to know people older than you. Uh, so the the reason I learned about George Holyoke. Uh, you know, going back into the early use of the word secular in the in the context that it's used today as non-religious, uh, was because back at the at that time when I learned that I was the research fellow at the Institute for the Study of Secularism in Society and Culture in Trinity College, and so my boss and friend and mentor, uh, Dr. Barry Cosman started telling me uh, all this about Holyoke, and I had no idea who Holyoke was, uh, but Barry is English, and so was Holyoke. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it. so he, he started telling me about this, and, and so a lot of the, a lot of what I have learned, it certainly have, you know, I didn't do secularism studies because I couldn't, right? There's no... <laughs> There's no, with the exception of uh, Professor Phil Zuckerman's Secularism Studies program at Pitzer College in California, there are no Secularism Studies programs in the United States. Uh, and with the exception of ICCC, there's no major Secularism study centers. So I've been very lucky in that sense that I was not only part of that crew in ICCC, uh, but also that I, ha- I also have collaborated with Professor Zuckerman in some of his books. So, you know, that's some knowledge and some some of the kind of like networks that I I like to share with others uh, because it's it's something that, you know, in in particularly, I think we talked about this in our first episode uh, when you told me, when, when we were talking about, you know, the fact that the secular movement is very white. Uh, and the fact that many, many times, especially in the scholarly circles, I'm probably the only Latino uh, that it's in, in those meetings or in, or in those uh, collaborations. And 
So I, I think that's one of the things I want to, you know, bring to, to our communities, the fact that, you know, I have that privilege and I, and that knowledge, and I, I certainly want to share it uh, with others. <laughs> I'm also you know, kind of like a teacher by training, so that comes natural <laughs> in some way. It is really important that people understand the long and extensive history of secularism, not just in the United States, but also in the world at large. And I think that that's probably one of the most important things that we could talk about, sort of not necessarily at the forefront of our conversations, but just in general. And it's it's a really important topic. And it's one of the reasons I'm glad that our podcast is here, because one of the topics that I do want to talk about in the future and devote at least an entire episode around is the history of secularism, both in the United States, specifically in the United States for the first episode. But then in the future, I would also like to visit other countries um, such as Mexico, where, you know, Nito Juarez is from. Yes, and actually the first capsule is going to be about Benito. Uh, so, yeah, that's spoiler alert. Uh, but, I mean, it, it comes naturally <laughs> with the territory. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think, uh, I think it's time for you to start posing the first question and start wrapping up our first uh Episode episode seventeen, but episode number one of the Benito Juarez Experience two point So as we begin wrapping up the very first episode of Benito Juarez two point of TBJE two I would like to know from people who've listened, not necessarily to entire other episodes, but even if you've only heard snippets, what is something? What is the topic that we've covered? that you have really enjoyed listening to and potentially learning about if it was the first time you heard people have a conversation about it, such as when we talked <clears throat> about the religious left and the secular left, or when we talked about Trinity uh, v. Comer, and I think it was our last episode. We really want to know what conversation you've enjoyed and a conversation that you feel we could have done in a better way. And if you have a conversation that you think we could have done in a better way, we are also, we'd love to hear what specific recommendations you'd have for us the next time we revisit a topic. Because that's something that we're going to be doing in the future. We are going to be revisiting topics. We've already done it once or twice with a few of our episodes. I know we're going to be doing it again because these conversations that we're having are not the end all be all nor are these topics just going away. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think particularly the religious left has been something, uh, and the secular left is something that I have personally come back in the show. And that I'm going to go back to uh, for m various reasons, particularly because it's a personal project of mine to get the secular left going as a political entity in this country. Uh, but other than that, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Luciano. We have had fun in this first four months. And so let's looking forward to, uh, the future of the experience. And remember that next week it's going to be let's experience Benito Juarez number one.
Have a great day, everyone, and we look forward to reading your responses to what we've asked.